Amen. I am aware today that I am not the young whippersnapper that I used to be. Now, I'm not conceding at all for a second that I am old. A few of you just confessed to that. You're like, I am. Have you ever had an experience, though, as you began to age, even at the very, very beginning of that aging process where I am, um, you have these experiences along the way where you, you, you like, there are moments where you recognize, I'm not as young as I used to be. Anybody had that experience? Come on, confess it right here. Some of you are like, uh, it's called mourning. <laughs> it's called Tuesday, right? Like, yes, we have these moments all the time, Pastor. Move on, right? I'm just starting to have them, okay? All right? So give me a break. It's brutal, though. It's brutal. Some of them happen in the sports arena, okay? You know, the things I used to be able to do? Your boy can't do them anymore. And, you know... Well, I was throwing baseball with one of our church members the other day because he found out that I played baseball in college. And I was like, he's like, give me the heat. I'm like, I don't have any anymore. <laughs> like, I can't even bowl anymore. It hurts. Tendinitis, bro. You ever hear of it? I'm old. And so I'm like, I'm having these experiences. Well, I had another one this week. My wife is in marketing and she, she comes to me this week and she goes, I like, have you ever heard of this thing? Which I'll explain in a second. And I was like, no, no, I haven't. What, what is this thing? She's like, everybody's talking about it. It's like, nobody's talking to me about it. What do you mean everybody's talking about it? I've never heard of it. She's like, yeah, it's real big. And like, sure enough, I Google it. And it's like, it's like, it's huge. And it's because your boy doesn't have TikTok. All right. So I'm like, wow. And no, I didn't download TikTok for this because I have three children. That's enough for me to think about. But have you heard of this thing? Let's let's see how let's see where you're at on the spectrum here. Have you ever heard of this thing called manifesting? Raise your hand if you have heard of manifesting. I'm offended. Why do all of you know what this is? I don't even like this is mind blowing to me. Like manifesting. Like let me let me just tell you. When I found that out this week, let me, friends, I went down the hole. I went down the rabbit hole. I was like manifesting. I mean, let, let me just put it this. Did you know that there's a path? There is a way to manifest your dreams today. Seven simple steps. Are you ready for them? Lift up your voice and say, I'm ready. I'm having fun with this and I'll explain in a second. Number one, be clear in your vision. Number two, remove fear and doubt. I'm like, but it's fear and doubt. How do I... Align your behavior, overcome tests of the universe, embrace gratitude without caveats, turn envy into inspiration, and number seven, finally, trust in the universe. If that wasn't enough to convince you, I've brought you a video today, an instructional video about how you can manifest whatever it is that you want, and here's a demonstration. Go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> Hey friends, today I'm going to show you exactly how I use the 369 manifestation method to manifest anything I desire. So first what you're going to do is pick an affirmation that is something you desire in present tense. 
the most important thing here is you want to bring in emotion. So I wrote down, I am so grateful for my beautiful, safe, and luxurious beach home. These words invoke emotion from me, and emotion is how we communicate to the universe what we want. It's through our vibration and our emotional frequency that we attract our desires. Next, after you've chosen your affirmation, you're going to write it three times in the morning, six times in the afternoon, and nine times at night. You want to feel the emotion as you're writing your desires. And then at the end, I like to seal it with this, under divine grace and in perfect ways. That comes from Florence Scovel Shin, and it just assures that your manifestation will come to you in a safe way for the good of all. Have fun. Don't you love how it was in a safe way? Have fun in a safe way for the good of all. And by all, we mean my beach house. <laughs> like looking at these videos on this week and I'm like, I think the fatal flaw of manifesting all, everything that you want is it's just simply what you want, right? Now, surprisingly, there's no follow-up video from this particular TikToker. Is that what they're called? There's no follow-up video in the beach house. Like, where's the beach house? We're manifesting the beach house. We need to see said beach house, right? And I'm having fun with this, but, but here's the reality. In, in the culture that we live in, in the secular culture that we live in, this is where people find meaning. And so I'm having fun with it, but in, in, in the true sense of the word, there is this belief out there that if you channel the right kind of energy, that you can produce the things that you want in your life. And the struggle there is that what we're seeing is that all of these things point to the fact that people know that there is more to life than what we can see with our eyes. There is an unseen side of life that culture has flattened. And we have spent months talking about that. But I want to press into that because there is more. We have been told for our entire lives by the culture around us that there's nothing more than what you can see. That we have tested and we have observed and we now know everything that we need to know. I watched an interview between a scientist and Richard Dawkins this past week and just listening to the sad, hopeless existence of not believing that there's anything outside of what I can see. And you just hear it in his voice. Wishing that there was something more. And this has been around for a long time. St. Augustine, when he was working on his book called On the Trinity, was walking by the shore one day and meditating on this difficult problem of how one God could be three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, and just wanting to write about that as an academic and just wrestling through that. And he stumbled upon a little child at the beach. You can actually put a photo up here. Somebody did a painting of it just to give you a visual. And so he... He comes across this child and this child is, has a, dug a hole in the sand and he is running between the water and the hole with a little bucket and he's taking water from the ocean and dumping it into his hole. And Augustine asked the child, what are you doing? And the child answered that he was scooping all the water from the sea and putting it into his hole in the sand. Doing what kids do. 
So Augustine replied, Augustine replied to the child, well, that's impossible. Obviously, the sea is too large and the hole too small. To which the child responds, indeed, but I will sooner draw all the water from the sea and empty it into this hole then you will succeed in penetrating the mystery of the Holy Trinity with your limited understanding. From the mouths of babes, right? The way of Jesus can often push back against the efficiency of our culture that we live in. Isn't it ironic that while pondering the existence of one God as three persons, Augustine scolded the child for his own belief in the impossible. It highlights and we laugh about manifesting and where's the beach house and children at the seashore. And yet in their own ways, they both point us to this idea, this, I would say, fact that the imminent frame is what I'll explain in a second within our secular moment has entangled all of us in some way, shape, or form. Let me tell you what the imminent frame is. I think this will be on the screen. Andrew Root explains it this way. The imminent frame is a natural order that asserts that our lives should be considered primarily material or natural as opposed to supernatural. It tempts us to block out any overarching sense of transcendence that there would be a God that you could fill your hole with water from the seashore and we could go on and on. But in reality, it's this. There is no sense of sacred time or space. Now, listen, that's very philosophical. So I want to help you wrap your head around this. Have, have, let's let's just. I'm railing on culture, so I'm going to use it. All right. Any Stranger Things fans in the house? Anybody watch Stranger Things on Netflix? All right. Now, listen, this is another thing I've gone down the rabbit hole on. And the reason is because what we're talking about is depicted in the what do they call it? The, the underworld, the other side, the upside down. Let's go. I'll expect your amens when I read the Bible later. You're like, it's the upside down. <laughs> but right, like there, it's a nod to the fact that there's more happening in the world than you can see, right? And so they float between the, the other side and this side, and it's part of the thing. Well, within that, what happens is as the other side comes to our side, is there's this like, crazy thing that shoots these tentacles out and wraps people up and then it like goes on their face and like all of that world gets put into like people and they get they turn into like zombies and it's like it's wild not suggesting you watch it not with your kids but what what happens to us is like that is we live in this world and by the time this world gets into us, we, we can't under, we, we don't even see that the world has gotten into us. And so when we talk about regeneration and we make that transition to what God's teaching us about our moment and what he's doing in the world and bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, regeneration can be thought of 
as that, the untangling of those vines from your life, the, the ripping out because regeneration literally, as we will see today in John chapter three, is being reborn. It's being remade. It is old things passing away and all things becoming new. But I cannot help but wonder, and maybe it's beyond wonder, and I could say see, that we are all in some ways products of our moment, products of our culture. We like our things is another way to say that. And I said that this has not been new. You can go all the way back to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And God was looking with Ezekiel at his chosen people thousands and thousands of years ago. And he said this to Ezekiel about the people. He said, I will give you a new heart. I'll give you a new spirit that I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That is supernatural work. It's being reborn. And then enter our text for today in John chapter 3. And we're going to meet a guy named Nicodemus. And he's kind of the main character today. Because what I think is he was a product of his culture. Just like you and I are a product of our culture. And I want you to... Put yourself in the text with Nicodemus and feel the emotions that he's feeling about the outlandish things that God, that Jesus is saying to him. Look at John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. He was the creme de la creme. He was the man. He was at the highest order that you could be in a religious culture. Verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He was genuinely seeking, genuinely seeing, genuinely feeling that when he was around Jesus, there was something else going on. And Jesus answers him in verse 3, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, you and I are trained to see that verse meaning heaven sometime in the future. And that is true. But I also want to argue that what Jesus is saying is that you need to be renewed by the spirit. As we looked last week, you need to be remade in the image of God to see what God's doing in the kingdom now. Because here's the reality. Most of us, myself included, maybe myself at the front of the line, we're building our kingdoms, if we're honest. And so Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see. You can't see the kingdom of God. This is why he taught us to pray in Matthew That God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't tell us to pray that we would get ripped out of here and go over there. Wherever heaven is. No, no, no. He said, pray that my kingdom would come now on earth as it is in heaven. 
And so for a lot of us, that, that's a reorienting that needs to take place. And it takes place through the doctrine of regeneration, through the regenerating of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so Nicodemus, verse 4, obviously is like, wow, like that's, what does that mean? So Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And I love Jesus' answer here. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit what jesus is highlighting is listen you believe that there's more to life than what you can see every time the wind blows every time you get a chill on your spine every time you meet the love of your life we know there's more to life than what i can quant you can't measure love can you you can't measure the feeling of when your first child is born You can't measure those things. We know that there's more to life than what we can taste and see and measure and touch and feel. We know that just like the wind blows and we know it's there and we see the evidence of the wind. So, too, do we see the evidence of the spirit of God all over the place. And so when I look at Nicodemus, I see a guy who was a prototype of his age. He was actually he was the best version of his age. And he had the vines of his culture wrapped around him. And yet he knew when I'm around this Jesus, there's something different. And I would just ask you, you sit in this room, you give up your time on this day or you watch through online or you listen to this podcast later because you just there's something about Jesus. Even the most secular of our friends in the world would say the universe is speaking to me and they'll come up with things like manifesting because there they there is an admission even in the most secular of places that there is more than we can see and that's not even going to talk about the telescopes we have and the things we're finding out and how much bigger it is than we thought it was and how that's causing problems in the worldview we've always had We just keep going and yet those of us who have surrendered to Jesus would sit here and smile and say, no, 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 I know exactly what's going on and I'm totally comfortable not having all the answers because God's bigger than me. Because here's the reality, we will not worship something that we believe is smaller than us. We won't. We won't. And so if Jesus isn't bigger than us, we're not going to worship Jesus because Jesus will just be in the way of the efficiency of getting what I want. I'd rather manifest that in the universe because that cuts any submission and lordship out of it. (laughs) And there we have it, right? What is Nicodemus struggling with here as he sees the new age coming? I love what Eugene Peterson says about Nicodemus. He says he wasn't looking for more theological information. He was theological information. He was the highest ranking theological information information that there was he was of the ruling class of the pharisees he was in charge he had a seat 
at the table of privilege. He was there. He wasn't looking for more theological information. He was looking for a way in. Not for more about the kingdom of God, but for a personal guide to show him the door and lead him in. How do I enter is the question Nicodemus was asking. And he knew that this Jesus, like something's different, right? And yet, when Jesus answered him, Nick couldn't quite go there, could he? He couldn't quite do what was required to walk through that door. Because in that culture, Nicodemus would have known exactly what he was talking about. You know, see, it's, it's confusing for us when we talk about the water and the spirit. Like, is that two different things? Is that natural birth and spiritual birth? Like, there's been a lot of confusion of that. But the general consensus among scholars is that that's referring to one supernatural act where God makes you new. That it's two illustrations of the same thing happening And what would have really bothered Nicodemus in this moment is that baptism, being baptized in the Spirit of God, was not reserved for Jews at that time. It was only reserved for Gentiles. It was reserved for Gentiles who were going to to lay down their identity, step across the line, and raise up the identity of the Jewish people, God's people, And take on that identity. So for Jesus to come to the creme de la creme of the Jewish society and say, no, no, no. You need to lay down your identity and you need to pick up the one that I'm going to give you was offensive at least. And totally disorienting at most. Jesus was asking Nicodemus to drop the robes. He was asking Nicodemus to lay down... Everything that Nicodemus had built his life upon to follow Jesus. Because it was one thing when Jesus walked up to Peter on that fishing boat. and Peter was tired and he was kind of tired of catching these fish. (laughs) And this rabbi comes along to this nobody named Peter and says, Hey, I see you're running the family business, but come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says Peter went. Well, we know now because Peter's impulsive, right? (laughs) So I chopped some guy's ear off and Jesus is like, whoa, put that baby back on, right? That's why in one sentence, Jesus says to Peter, man, heaven revealed that to you. Great answer, Peter. And literally like four verses later, get behind me, Satan. You're like, whoa, how do we get there, right? We know that about Peter. But for... But for Nicodemus, Nicodemus had his life together. He had arrived where he was going. He had everything that in that world you could possibly want. And dare I say that most of us sitting in this room have everything that you could possibly want in this life. And what Jesus would walk up to you and say when it comes to this doctrine of regeneration is, are you willing to drop everything and follow me? And if we'll just be honest, the answer most of the time is no. As soon as that gets disrupted, what's your response? You see, rebirth sounds awesome to a spiritual person 
until we dig in and find out that rebirth also means surrendering everything that I have and all that I am to somebody else. It means exposing and laying bare the parts of our life that we love the most that need to be renewed by the Spirit of God. You want to know why we all don't sign up for something like Regen? Can we just bring that sucker all the way home? Because it means taking the mask off, right? Like the tagline for Regen is the heart that's well is the heart that tells. And all of us go, I can't share that. Those people won't know that I'm perfect. (laughs) But listen to me. If the Spirit of God goes in and begins to transform who you are, that you will no longer, as Romans tells us, not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you're going to care about different things than you care about right now. And so Jesus is inviting Nick into something here, right? He's inviting Nicodemus to to step into the kingdom of God. He's inviting this well-known Jewish leader and teacher of the ruling class to lay down his identity and become like a child. Not just a child, a newborn child who can't do anything. When a child is born, they are solely dependent on their parents. There's nothing they can do on their own. And that's exactly what Jesus was after, isn't it? That's what he says in John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do how much? Nothing. Nothing doesn't leave room for anything, if you're wondering. This invitation was hard in the culture that Nicodemus found himself. It was hard. And so, that's the invitation. I would bet that if you're sitting here today or you're watching you know that there's more to life than what you can see. That's probably not your issue. But you're wrestling with where does God meet you in this life? You're wrestling with the things of this world and the things that are not of this world. And regeneration emphasizes this being born of the Spirit, being renewed by God, this transformation that takes place. And I would venture to say that there's at least a handful of us in this room that are looking at our life going, I don't think maybe I've had that transformation. Or maybe you had that transformation, but it was years ago. Decades ago. Baptism is a A long ago thing. What I love here is that Nicodemus would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said that you'd be born of water in the spirit. And Nicodemus would have immediately connected the dots because he would have gone back to Ezekiel 36 like I first told you. And he would have known what Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27 would have said because in the Old Testament, water often referred to renewal was often present in renewal, was often present in cleansing, was often present in some of the most significant connections of bringing together water and spirit where water cleanses the impurity and the spirit comes in and transforms the heart. 
So born of the water and spirit signals this new birth that cleanses and transforms. And I want to ask you today, have you ever had that moment where the Holy Spirit of God came into your life and transformed everything that you are? And here's what's crazy about that, is it sounds crazy. Like if you were to surrender to that and then walk into work tomorrow and say, hey, guess what? I got born again. They'd look at you like you had three heads. (laughs) And it's awesome. It's awesome. There's no other reason to go sit at the bottom of the staircase at Dun & Company and start another church. Right? Unless unless it's real, because if it's not, I've wasted a whole lot of time. And so have you. But it is. It is real. And He is present. And He is moving. And He is working. And He is inviting all of us into these moments with Him. There are moments in life, just like there are moments in life where I figure out that I'm old. There are moments in life where things become clear. And there are moments in life when the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart through the power of His Word. And I wonder for you today if that is right now. Because what's the point of all this if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What if you got everything that you wanted to manifest into your life? What if you got it all? Better yet, what if you got answered any prayer that you wanted to ask? What if you got it all? C.S. Lewis referred to two kinds of meaning, and I think they're really helpful here as we come back to the communion table again today. He equated it to a beam of light. Have you ever taken a flashlight and shined it like across the room on an object? But then in that light, you can see the dust, right? Have you ever had that happen? Where you can shine a light over there, but on the way there in the beam of light, you see all the dust that's floating around and you're like, oh, that's what I'm breathing. Great. But isn't that a great illustration of the life that we live? It's like that beam of light is the way to Jesus. And yet in that beam of light are all the imminent frame of life, all the things that we're doing and we can't get through them to see Jesus. We know he's out there, but we're so busy with the dust. Francis Schaeffer called it the dust of death. We're so busy with the dust that we can't. We know he's out there, but we can't see him. I just want to ask you if that's you today. You know he's out there, but you can't see him. Can't see him. As we begin to look at the communion table, I want you to look at it like that. We talk from 1 Corinthians 10. I want to read it to you again. It'll be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, The cup that we bless, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread, Jesus. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. That's spiritual speak, right? That is, we have this natural way. We have this beam of light 
that allows us to go participate with Jesus. But maybe you're like me and so often all we can see is the beam of light and all the dust floating around it. We see the wafer and we see the juice. But the question is, do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus today? Now I want to invite you today to take those natural things, that natural way. And I want to invite you to look through them to Jesus today. You see, because it's not about the bread, it's not about the juice, it's about it's about Jesus. Right? When you came here today, it wasn't so you could hear good music, it wasn't so that you could hear a great TED talk. It is so that you could see Jesus. That's why we're here. You see, because all, all the all the things of this world, right? I love that old song, the things of this world will grow strangely dim, right? In the light of your glory and grace. That's why scripture says things like you can taste and see that the Lord is good. So I want to have the band come up. I'm going to ask them to start playing. And before I read Jesus' own words in Matthew 26, I want to invite you to just take one of those communion elements. And I just want to invite you to put it in your hand. Take the bread out and feel it. And I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to talk to the Lord. If you're not a Christian today, or maybe you walked in here today thinking you're a Christian, or maybe you're watching online and you know, you've just always assumed that you had it right. I want to invite you today that regeneration is the act where God comes to you. Not where you go to Him, but where He comes to you. And He begins to transform the way you think, the way your desires are, the way your, as C.S. Lewis would say, your disordered loves go. And he begins to take out your heart of stone and give you his heart of flesh. That's what regeneration is. And I just want to invite you to experience that today. If it's for the first time, We talk all the time about how simple that is and yet how difficult that is. (laughs) Because it goes back to that surrendering, right? It goes back to that giving up what is yours. Believing that what you cannot see, right? That's what Hebrews says. Faith is believing in what you cannot see. That's scary. Because you can see what you are doing. You can see what you are doing in charge of. You can see those things. But as you hold that bread in your hand and you move it around in your fingers and you feel it, Jesus knew you'd be going through what you're going through and he stepped out of the splendors of heaven and he came and lived 33 years on this earth in the same temptations, the same struggles, the same difficulties, often worse than what you're experiencing. And then he went to the cross. And he made a way for you to be right with God. And that's not where the story stopped, is it? Three days later, he stood up 
He defeated death so that you could have life. Not just so that you could be made right, but so that you could have life, so that His kingdom could come on earth as it is in heaven. And the invitation to you, just like it was to Nicodemus, is to drop the robes. For Nicodemus, it was prestige, it was power, it was having all the answers and being reborn as a child, trusting in the sufficiency of Jesus. And I just want to invite you to take the next 30 seconds before we take these elements together to talk to the Lord, to pray. You don't have to know how to pray, it's just a conversation with the Lord. And I want to invite you to meet with him right now and not listen to me. And just take 30 seconds to talk to him. If you're not a Christian and you'd like to be, the Bible says it's pretty simple. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead that first Easter, the Bible says you will be saved. And he'll regenerate you. So take just 30 seconds and talk to him. And I'll be back with you in a second.